Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. When I started my own entrepreneurial journey, a mentor of mine was like, the hardest thing about what you're about to do is the things you have to unlearn. Because a lot of what you do is process oriented. And when you're starting something, there is no process. All you're doing is trying to survive to the next day. And so I'd say athletic is very much a hybrid of we've got enough distribution, we've got enough cash flow that we're not worried about surviving to the next day. However, you know, there's so much upside to what we're doing. And if everything goes well, we will become the largest NA beer brand in the country before year end. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofstetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. Sarah, have you tried any of the NA products in the alcohol space? Yeah, I've been trying. I mean, I know throughout the pandemic, there were enough references to my enjoyment of alcohol that people might have been suggesting that I move over to the non-alcoholic category. The quality has gone up so dramatically and the space is super duper hot. How about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've done non-alcoholic in wine, in spirits, in beer. I agree with you. Taste I think is the most important thing for converting someone who consumes alcohol, like both of us, into the non-alcoholic space. But if the taste is there, then I'm kind of all for it. You know, it's so funny. Like I've got kids in in their 20s and 
I went through the whole process of talking to them about how beer is an acquired taste. So now you finally acquire your taste for beer and then you use that taste that the beer industry has told you you have to start loving to then have that same taste, but without the alcohol. Just think about the amount of psychology that goes into that mindset. A hundred percent. But, you know, obviously we're all probably reading the same headlines. Gen Z is just not drinking the way that prior generations are consuming. So we have to consider that NA is here to stay and that this market is going to continue to grow. And if we look at past markets, if you're early and you're able to gain share and build a brand that could stand the test of time, you're likely going to win, whether that is via IPO or being acquired by a larger strategic. And also tastes good. Yeah. Oh, have a good product. That's important. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Delivering your brand promise. The question is, how do you look at multiple trends coming from completely different perspectives and then align them to not only create a category, but be the category leader? Okay. So we just talked about category one, which is Gen Z not being bigger alcohol drinkers, like let's say millennials or Gen Xers or whatnot. And then the other trend is the trend that you and I live and breathe day and day when we're not drinking alcohol, which is our businesses that we're running, this whole idea of enabling these omni-commerce experiences. NABR has a special space that they get to play in in most states in the U.S. Obviously, outside the U.S. rules very different, but within the U.S., if you're not selling alcohol, you don't have nearly as many restrictions when it comes to fulfillment. So that means you can, in 43 states, manage to sell non-alcoholic beer direct ship to home through Last Milers, through the Good Pups of the World, as well as the Walmart.coms. Changes the game when you think about if your competitor is beer, they have one less distribution method, which is probably one of the most. If you think back to one of our older episodes, I think it was with Will from PBR. People want beer and they want a cold. So- If you can actually beat that just by virtue of the fact that the law actually favors you commercially, there's a real great opportunity. A hundred percent. And I think there's another sort of elephant in the room, which is retail media. So everything that Sarah was just talking about in terms of the U.S., if you listen to some of our past episodes, the U.S. has a three-tier system because of prohibition. Alcohol brands actually cannot just send traffic to the retailers themselves. The distributors have to do it a major distributor being like Southern Glazer. And so as a result, it's actually very hard for alcohol brands to participate in full funnel marketing. Now, one of the fastest growing parts of full funnel marketing is retail media. And so if you're an alcohol brand in the US, you cannot participate in the traditional ways of retail media, meaning you can't just cut a check to Walmart. You can't just cut a check to Kroger. And so the NA players are in this unique position where they can cut the checks to the retail media groups. And we all know how this works, right? If the retailers are able to collect media dollars from certain brands, they're likely going to put together stronger omni-channel plans for brands who can participate in retail media. So there is this amazing moment right now in time where consumer behavior is aligning with some of the business objectives of the retailers And the NA brands sit in between and can take advantage of this moment. And then a brand that is absolutely taking advantage of this moment 
and is about to become number one non-alcoholic beer in the U.S. is a company that's only been around since 2017 called Athletic Brewing. So we're about to bring on Andrew Katz, the Chief Marketing Officer of Athletic Brewing, to tell us the story about the brand as well as the overall market opportunity. Let's bring Andrew onto the show. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Sarah. We're so excited to have you. Maybe it's a cool down for you now that summer's sort of... We're still flying. I went to our local supermarket here. It's called the Chico's Sunday Night Shop. One six-pack of Athletic on the shelf. Wiped out. The whole... Wow. Everything. Gone. Damn. A blessing and a curse. Just thinking about all the, the volume we left on the table, but then I was also smiling year to year that we were the only ones sold out in the whole beer case. Huge. Well, so you know, maybe from this moment, it's probably good to give context to Athletic Brewing. So for those who don't know, Athletic Brewing, it appears on the beer shelf wherever you are, but it's non-alcoholic beer. And in my mind, it created the category. I don't know if that's true or not, Andrew, you could confirm, but the non-alcoholic beer market is supposed to reach around $40 billion by 2032. So this is a sector that we all need to be paying attention to. In terms of like the story, where does athletic brewing story begin? So it really begins with Bill Schufelt and John Walker, our two co-founders. So Bill was working in a hedge fund. He was a high performance guy in every aspect of his life and was really disappointed when he'd go out that he really couldn't find anything that he wanted to drink because he knew the next morning he had to go 100 miles an hour for the entire day. So he got him thinking, like, why are there no really good NA craft beer anywhere? He kind of like worked at it for a couple of years, but he's not a brewer. And then the classic entrepreneur story, he knocked on 100 doors, 99 said no. And then he found John Walker, who also said no, but he actually was the one who signed on to the challenge. And together they worked for another probably 12 or 18 months trying to really perfect a process that enabled them to make fully fermented beer. So they didn't take anything out. So that it was really full flavor, full bodied beer that you were drinking. And people who drink non-alcoholic beer, are they historically beer drinkers or were they non-alcoholic drinkers? Like who's drinking the product? So it's it's a great question. And it's primarily 80% of our drinkers are under the age of 45. So it's mostly millennial, mostly Gen Z. The thing that's changed a lot is just how much information is available about what alcohol actually does to your body. And I think people kind of intuitively knew it, waking up on a Sunday morning really hung over. But then also people like Huberman, uh, Andrew Huberman of Huberman Labs put out a pretty seminal podcast last year, one of the most downloaded of the year that talked about scientifically what actually happens to your body. And so as like post-pandemic, a lot of people are rethinking their relationship with alcohol, but also primarily driven by their own desire to be healthier, more mindful, and just the tie to mental health is, is really not insignificant. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month and six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. So just to click a little deeper on that, we always talk about, sure, stomach, but in this case, where's the sourcing coming from? Is it from previous beer drinkers? Is it from seltzer drinkers? Like where where do you see your, or just like people who have tried any beer in the past and was like, this is disgusting? Yeah. That obviously cannot account for your explosive growth, not just people who have been disappointed in the past. Primarily, our drinkers are beer drinkers. First and foremost, if you love beer, nine out of 10 people love athletic. So primarily, we're sourcing from beer, but it's an and. We always think of it as an accretive thing. So I'm buying a six pack of you know my go-to and athletic, and we know that from basket-level data that our shoppers are higher value shoppers and it is an incremental purchase as opposed to a substitute. So retailers really like us because it's something more that they're adding to the basket that they weren't before. In terms of NA as a category, right now, do you find that it's mostly a a US lifestyle change? Like, are you seeing folks in Europe or Asia get behind this where Typically, alcohol consumption is even more significant than it is in the U.S. We sell in Canada and the U.K. and the EU. So there are markets like Spain, 10% of their beer market is N.A. Wow. So it's substantially higher. U.S. is only about 1%, growing extremely fast. I think some of the numbers you cited, Rachel, earlier, just to give perspective, I mean, this will at some point go from where we are today to a billion dollar category plus, it's still a relatively small share of total beer in the US. But other markets outside of the US are quite more developed. Germany is another market where they they have a lot of beer drinking, but also a lot of NA beer drinking. But one, one marker of success that we look to is one of our leading national retailers, we account for 8% of their total beer sales. Wow. That's like leading edge where we think we could get some at some point, you know, to 10% of total beer is NA. As you think about like distro, obviously you're showing up wherever beer is showing up, but the route to market has got to be a hell of a lot easier without having the alcohol component to it. How do you use that to your advantage? It's a yes and. So yes, we get to market the same way that beer gets to market. We're still regulated as if we were beer. And we also get to go direct to consumer in 43 states. So we can sell online direct to consumer where conventional beer cannot. So it does give us some channel 
specific advantage. So from an e-com perspective, obviously D2C got that. That makes sense. When it comes to, you know, ordering something on the Walmart app or walmart.com, is it like, do you, you need to clear the over 21 in order to be able to get it shipped to home or it, ha- it like how does varies, that work? varies by state. So mm-hmm. in seven states were regulated just like alcohol. And then in 43 states, it's not. So the regulations don't apply. So recently there was a report that came out saying that Walmart captured nearly 36% of all U.S. online grocery sales, which is pretty impressive. And so because you compete in this non-alcoholic beer space, you really get a unique advantage, particularly with Last Mile, which beer does not get. How do you use that to your advantage? So we are very much uh, an omnichannel brand. I know that's you know one of the most beaten to death words in marketing, but we we really do um, sell across every single channel. Our goal ultimately is just to really meet the consumer where they are. So whether that's delivery by GoPuff, whether that's Walmart.com, whether it's our own D2C where we brew up to 50 different styles of beer every single year, most of which are only available online and or um, you know, traditional retail bars, restaurants, nightclubs. So we really are trying to be as ubiquitous as possible. And knowing that, um, you know, there's, there's this new measure of loyalty, which is around this concept of consecutive repeat. And so we're, we're really confident that we are the brand that people buy not once, but then immediately the second time they go back, it's us. They're not really promiscuous in the way that most beer buyers are. Mm. In terms of this omni-channel footprint, I'm noticing just personally watching it grow and grow and grow, especially in the New York market area. I think I was even on a flight recently. Where yes, Jet growing. Blue. Jet Blue. Yes, exactly. Talk to us more about the relationship between marketing and sales. Like, is the organization big enough right now where it's it's two teams? Or are you working as you know one unified demand organization? We're still a pretty small company. I think that a lot of the magic is that we're still very entrepreneurial, still very much in a startup growth mindset, which I love having worked at a lot of amazing companies. This is my favorite place to be right now because there's a lot of fluidity between sales and marketing. I love, my favorite thing is to go into accounts and sell because it's just opportunity. There's so much white space. And as the CMO, like I'm constantly calling my sales team and saying, hey, I just got to leave here. I got to leave here. And they're like, would you stop? Let us do our job. <laughs> We're very cohesive, you know, and we do things. So Alex Berger, who's our chief sales officer, and I used to work together at Heineken. And so there's just a tremendous amount of trust and domain expertise that we each have. And I think we're just able to get things done very quickly because it's like us and Bill and John, for the most part, and our senior leadership team. And it's like, if everybody says yes, then we go and do it. I mean, it's such a special time, this moment in time where you truly- I tell that, I tell that to my yeah. you know team of mostly 20 and 30 somethings, like- it's not always this great. It's not yeah. always, you know, going to be like this. So really step back, you know, keep pushing, but enjoy the moment. Well, Andrew, you and I met during your big tenure at PepsiCo, and we've had other amazing PepsiCo alum onto the show. And then obviously you had this incredible stint as well as at Heineken. What do you take from those big company experiences that you've brought to Athletic Brewing? And then the flip side of that, like what are net new things that you've learned at Athletic Brewing that potentially you could bring back one day to a big company life. 
Well, I'm hopeful and don't say anything. I'm hopeful I never have to go back to big company life because <laughs> this is just too good. I also had my own, this will come up later in the conversation, but I think the bravest thing I ever did was to leave corporate America and go and start my own thing. And Rachel, you know what it's like. It's impossibly hard and absurdly stupid to even entertain, but yet people do it. You know, I'm still here being stupid. Exactly. And you live to tell. <laughs> The things I learned, I think that big companies are amazing at, there's so much institutional knowledge. There's so many good processes. There are very smart ways of going about doing things. And big companies exist because they are able to perpetuate that. So it's a curse and a blessing because it also makes them slower and less nimble and all those things. But when you have large organizations and when you have very complex routes to market, those things serve those companies well. You know, you learn from all the people around you. And I was really, really blessed and fortunate in all the places I've been to have worked with incredibly smart, incredibly passionate people that if you pay attention, you can learn so much. And most of the learning that happens at, you know, a Pepsi or a Heineken or an Amex, it happens on the job but you have to be open and willing to absorb that knowledge. And then some things work in a new context that you're in and some things don't. So to answer the other side of your question, when I started my own entrepreneurial journey, mentor of mine was like, the hardest thing about what you're about to do is the things you have to unlearn, right? Because a lot of what you do is process oriented. And when you're starting something, there is no process. All you're doing is trying to survive to the next day. And so I'd say athletic is very much a hybrid of we've got enough distribution, we've got enough cash flow that we're not worried about surviving to the next day. However, you know, there's so much upside to what we're doing. We're the number two brand in the entire country. So we've passed Budweiser Zero. And if everything goes well, we will become the largest NA beer brand in the country before year end, which is an incredible, incredible accomplishment, knowing that the company started in 2017 and we first brought beer to market in 2018. I mean, that is incredibly fast. Congratulate. That's amazing. I hope the team is just so proud. The thing that makes Athletic unique, in my view, is that there's something at, at our core and we start every meeting with it. And it's really about the company mission and why we exist. And we, unlike a lot of the competitors that we go up against in the market, for a lot of them, it's a hobby. Everything they sell has alcohol in it. Nothing we sell has alcohol in it. And so that ability to just be so hyper-focused gives us tremendous degrees of freedom to be successful in the market in ways that a lot of our competitors won't be because they've gotten to this point primarily brand recognition and distribution. But beyond that, there's no real soul to what they're doing. And for us, that's like everything. Mission-driven companies, phenomenal. Mission-driven companies that scale, rare. How do you think about the composition of your staff as well as the grit of your staff as you migrate into being a bigger company? I mean, ultimately, if you achieve your mission of being number one in the country, you will become bigger and then you'll be stuck being at a big company. So you end up with the problem you were trying to avoid. How do you create that entrepreneurial spirit with the right people with the right attitude as you think through this next generation of where the company is going? A lot of it 
is staying lean. A lot of it is not over hiring. A lot of it is asking people to do more. And then once there's no more to give, then we look to add headcount, but we really do it very intentionally. And I would say very rigorously. And then when we hire, a lot of it has to do with obviously professional credentials. What have you done? And a lot of it really boils down to like, how aligned are you to the the mission and the purpose of the company? And everybody, including Bill and John, have to give the thumbs up to that hire. So they're still very, very involved with every single hire that we would make. And I think that keeps the culture, it keeps it intact and it keeps it healthy and vibrant and strong. And once that starts to denigrate, that's where you get into the big business problem. Which will happen just based on the growth rate that you guys are going after. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I think, yes, it's kind of like anything, like it'll just be a new chapter, but I do believe that we can maintain a lot of the magic it's up to us, right? It's up to us to maintain that. So you alluded to how you were going to answer our famous last question, which is what's the bravest thing that you've ever done? And I remember this moment in your story because I remember receiving your pitch deck. Yeah, I would love to hear the reflections. So the bravest thing I ever did was scratching an entrepreneurial itch of my own. I was working at Heineken I was also teaching indoor cycling at Equinox, which I still do as sort of my passion project, and just was observing, you know, the lack of technology in in the world of fitness for the fitness creators. And I just felt like there was an opportunity there to capitalize on that and bring automated workflows to people, help them spend less time creating, more time teaching. And so I left Heineken and started a company called Instructor, which is a fitness technology company. I am a non-technical founder, which is a difficult thing. And also there was a lot I didn't know. And that was sort of the beauty of this experiment was learning so many things that have now translated into my experience at Athletic. And the world has changed so fundamentally since my Pepsi days. It's a brave new world in, in so many ways. And by kind of going headfirst into it, doing my own thing, I came out on the other side of that very humbled in terms of how hard it is and also very appreciative of how you just need to be able to think differently. And there's a great podcast on growth mindset. And what does that mean? It's also Andrew Huberman. And that's, I think, when you look at successful companies, even if they've been around for a very long time, if they're not embracing that, then they truly are kind of losing market share and falling behind. You need to surround yourself with people that share that value as opposed to this is my role, this is how it's done, and I'm not really interested in changing. Well, I remember it. It was an amazing concept. I feel like it was pre-pandemic. It was pre-pandemic, but it was predicated on gyms being open. Yeah, 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 absolutely. No. So, so, I mean, the other part of this is so much is timing. You look at the timing of athletic brewing and like, this is the moment, right? Gen Z no longer is really interested in drinking alcohol. That's the next great consumer. Everything is sort of aligned right now for athletic brewing. And, you know, I feel extraordinarily fortunate to inherit just, you know, an incredible product, incredible team, 
And also so many of the foundational things were done well. Mm. Obviously, I've tried to bring my own perspective to things, but so much of the foundation was set so well that it was easy to then say, okay, we're going to go from here to here to here to here because the foundation was so solid. It's awesome. Well, if you haven't tried Athletic Brewing, hit your local store or go to Athletic Brewing's website and give it a whirl. I remember my first experience and I brought Athletic Brewing to a party and the rest of the party, I never drank alcohol. And all of a sudden I said to myself, I get it. Yeah. I really do believe in the future of this company and Andrew with you at the helm, it's it's going to continue to grow. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that you're a customer. I appreciate your vote of confidence. And I appreciate the time that you both gave me today to just share the athletic brewing story. And Sarah and Rachel, it's been a pleasure. I know we could go on for hours. We could, but we like to, you know, capture people's attention span in the commute. So the podcast will be eight seconds long. (laughs) It's actually just going to be a TikTok post. That's it. (laughs) Well, thank you. All right. Thank you both. I really appreciate the time and see you all soon. Well, if you enjoyed learning about the non-alcoholic beer category and you want to continue to think about just overall market disruptors, go check out two recent episodes. One is with Hamid of Liquid Death, the company that is marketing water as if it was beer. And then also go check out Instacart with Chris to understand how Instacart really disrupting, obviously, the last mile delivery space as well as retail media at large. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a like, join us on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of Truth, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice, meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcast. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.